Good morning, online family. So happy to be here with you all today. We just made our trek over from the Kempsville campus, and um, we are excited to be here. Um, many of you who were here last week, hopefully you heard Pastor Dan's message on family discipleship. And what we're gonna be doing today is a conversation to kind of continue along that theme of what does it mean to disciple this next generation? And so if you're watching uh, or worshiping with us online, this is for you too. As a matter of fact, this message is gonna be for all of us today. So you might be thinking, well, I'm not in Gen Z. I'm not a parent. Does this message apply to me? And the truth is, yes, it does. Because we are all the family of God. And we have all been commanded by Christ to disciple this generation. Jesus said to go make disciples of every nation, including this nation, including this generation. So our goal today is to help us as the family of God learn what does it mean to disciple. So I do want to give honor to Pastor Dan, who is not with us uh, today. Many of us pastors and directors, we were actually away in Pennsylvania for a week uh, at a pastor's conference. And so pastor is coming back from that conference. Um, but we are, we're going to just get into it. I think we had a great conversation last time, but God has a word, I believe, um, for all of us today. So we, uh, we asked our students to stay here. Can we give our students a round of applause? I don't know where they are. Yes. Yes, students. We love you. We want, there you go. I see you waving. We want you to know we love you guys. We see you. We hear you. We want you to grow into all that God has purposed for you to be. And then to our parents, who in here is a parent or a grandparent? Raise your hand. All right, many of you. Awesome, awesome. You know what? We want you to know that you have what it takes. I'm a pastor and I'm a parent. My kids are in Gen Z. I have four kids, ages 13 to 23. So I'm gonna be talking as a mom uh, as well as talking from a, a leadership standpoint. And then also, again, like I said, for the church at large, all of us are called to this work. So we're talking today and I'm here with Jackson and Sydney. All of y'all know Jackson. Jackson's, in, Jackson's a son of Deep Creek. <laughs> Jackson leads our, uh, our Deep Creek uh, youth ministry here. Maybe those of uh, you who are worshiping online, you're like, I don't know Jackson. So Jackson actually leads our youth ministry here at our Deep Creek campus. And he is also responsible for our Disciple You ministry here at New Life. And then Sydney, Sydney Gathers here is... <laughs> Sydney is awesome. Sydney is also one of our youth leaders. He is primarily at our Kempsville campus, and he also leads our young adult ministry. So 18 years in up to everyone else who feels like they're young adult, but they are really not. How do you, that is Sydney's ministry. How do you ministry. think God feels about you right now wearing that hat on this platform? If the <laughs> few millimeters of fabric is covering between me and God, there's an issue. <laughs> <laughs> so Jackson and Sydney. And so we're going to have this conversation really about Gen Z, which if you don't know, Gen Z is that generation that they were born uh, from 1997 up through 2010. So we're talking about 10 year olds through or 12 year olds through about 25 year olds. So not the little ones, but uh, teenagers and young adults. And so I just want to throw out some stats before we get started this morning. Um, some of these stats are, some of you might know this, but Generation Z comprises of about 
21% of our population. So that's a really big number. 21% of the American population are under the age or between the ages of 12 and 25. Also, they are the most ethnically diverse generation in American history. I think it's interesting that we just heard that video announcement from Dr. Diane Chandler and Dr. Casey um, about this multi-ethnic workshop that we're gonna be doing. This generation, though it has problems in and of itself, it's not like they don't experience racism, but they are more apt to have friends of different ethnicities. And not only that, but America is changing. America is not going, the white majority is, is slowly changing. And actually stats say that by 2030, um, it, this, this country will, the minority will be the majority. So that's important for us to know that they're being raised in an ethnically diverse um, society. And that is one of their values. It's very important to them. And then finally, their attention span, eight seconds. Eight seconds. <laughs> so we're going to be having our eyes on you guys in the back. We're going to be like, hey, come on, wake up. But listen, parents, if you're trying to have 30-minute conversations, I may or may not be guilty of this. Um, with your children, they've zoned out. Okay, and so we want to share kind of some background so that we know what are some of the issues that, that this generation is facing. With and you. so with that, Sydney, I want to start with you and ask you, were you about to say something? Yes, for any parents that have students in here. Any other parent, parent of a middle schooler or a high schooler in here? Okay, well, if they're a part of our youth program, we do a thing, and students, I need you to participate right now. Um, whenever they're rowdy to get their attention, we do a... say that part to you guys, I promise, okay? But Cindy, I want to start with you. Yes. What are some of the challenges that Gen Z is facing today? Challenges that Gen Z are facing today. I would say uh, mental health has to be a, a, if not one of the biggest things that our students are facing. Um, mental health is not a new thing. Mental health struggles are not a new thing. I just think that our, our middle schoolers and our high schoolers, they are growing up in a time where um, talking about it is okay. I remember growing up when I was younger and like no one would talk about their anxiety. No one would talk about they were depressed because it was almost looked at as if it was something that you shouldn't talk about. Um, with that being said, I know me and Jackson a lot of times we'll, we'll, we'll talk about um, should we t do another series or a message on mental health? Yeah. Um, we know that they, sh they struggle, but sometimes we're, we have to toe that line between, um, yes, I know that you struggle with anxiety, but we don't want to talk about it so much that you begin to find your identity in anxiety, if that makes sense what I'm saying. Um, I was reading the Bible a couple of days ago and I came across that's, that story in the Bible where I was talking about uh, the woman with the issue of blood and how we never knew her name. We just knew her issue. And I find a lot of times that our students, mental health is it's a real thing. We just had Dr. Cyrus and um, a few others come in and, and do uh, just a talk, a session with them addressing some of the stuff that they're going through. But um, we don't want our students, which we're finding this is the case. We don't want our students to now to begin to form their lives around their issue. 
So instead of like maybe back in the day, you would be like, my friends, I, my friends are based around the fact that we play basketball. We like video games. We do this stuff. Now we're finding that like this whole depressed. group of friends are depressed or this whole group of friends are anxious. And that is a reality of the world we live in right now with our, with our students. And it's just trying to navigate some of that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we know that this generation is also the most connected generation, right? And I'm the online campus pastor, so I'm all about like connecting online. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing. But the interesting thing that I find is that although they are the most technologically connected, they're also the most lonely generation as well. Right. And so Jackson, how can we as the church, first of all, you're talking about mental health, right? We know that there are other challenges, lack of confidence, confusion, um, not knowing their purpose, being lonely. How can the church, Jackson, speak into those issues? Of lack of connection, yeah. of being lonely. Um, I think New Life does an incredible job at providing programs and events and things for teens and young adults to have human connection. <laughs> and um, uh, we've actually seen our youth ministry grow substantially within the past six months to a year because students are finding that human connection. And one of the things I, that I really love that we did is we don't just have like video games or things like that where they're not connecting with each other, but they're looking at the screen, but where we have basketball or even old school, old school games like connect four because they're having to look at each other and connect the four and I always lose. But um, I don't think I've ever won that game. But we we give opportunities for students to uh, have those human connections, and they're really taken to it because their soul longs for it. They're not finding it on here. Right. 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 Yeah. You know, a lot of times, again, to your point, Sydney, we talk about the issues that Gen Z are facing, but Gen Z are also, they're very value rich. There's a lot of things that are really important to them. So what are some of the values? Maybe um, our church family doesn't know, like what are some of the things that are really important to this generation? Um, I know with at least our students uh, and just students that we have relationships with that may not go to this church, um, they value equality. They value um, almost inclusivity. They, they value uh, social justice. Some of the things that have divided our nation over the past couple of years, um, you said something in, in when, at the last service that was so true that you as parents, you are the most important voice in a student's life. Amen. But the second voice that is the loudest is this. So take a 13, 14, 15-year-old that was growing up being isolated in their house. And while everything was going on, all this racial division was happening, all of this, this, this stuff that was dividing a nation, um, this was discipling our students. This was teaching them what was important. This was giving them really a blueprint and a guideline about the things they should care about and the things they shouldn't care about. And uh, discipleship, we're talking about discipleship as a church and discipleship, the definition of it, or the definition I give our students is going from having a worldly worldview to going to having a biblical worldview. And there's a statistic that says that, um, four per, or that 2% of Gen Z has a biblical worldview. 
that 3% or 4% of millennials have a biblical worldview. And then it keeps going up until it gets to boomers and it says 10% of boomers have a biblical worldview. If that is the case, um, we as you know, people who have been entrusted with your students and leading them, uh, it's a constant fight mm-hmm. with the things that they're caring about, if that makes sense. Right. It seems like there's a dichotomy for Gen Z that they, they're like, okay, well, we care about these things, but they're not seeing that in the church. They're not seeing how the Bible is relevant to the things that they care about. And this is where I believe the church, we have such an amazing opportunity because we can and should speak into all of their issues when, or all of their values, right? They care about inclusivity. Well, guess what? So did Jesus. They care about uh, the poor and the oppressed. Guess what? So did Jesus. They care about immigrants being locked in cages and not being able to attend schools with them so does Jesus. And so we can make these issues non-political, but absolutely biblical. And I think that that's where we do have a moment. Go ahead, Sydney. Not trying to make it political at all, because that's not what, what we're here for. But when you, when you ask a, if you were to ask a middle schooler or a high schooler today, what do you think about Christians? They would say, Christians are people who voted for Trump. Right. Christians are people who hate um, the LGBTQ community mm-hmm. and Christians are people who um, are against those that uh, choose to have an abortion. That's not what we're here to talk about, but I think it's important that we realize that if they are being discipled by this, right. that means that their, their worldview about the church is this. Right. So what are we as a church showing them that that's not the case? Right. If, we are, if we are constantly bringing them to church, if we're constantly bringing them to church and we're just, if, cause obviously we've all grown up in church and we all have our own experiences in church and we know that that's not what the church is. That's not what Jesus is. They don't know that. Right. Um, and what are we as, whether you are a parent, you are a brother or you are a father, a sister, a brother, a sister in the faith to them, what are we doing to, to, to dispel mm-hmm. that lie? If that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. Jackson, I want to know, what do our teenagers need us to know about them? If you could speak on their behalf, what would they want us to know about them? Uh, That they're not projects. (laughs) That's good. They're not projects to be turned into what we think that they should be. My conviction is that, and my experience and my conviction is that they don't need us to make them a project. We, they need us to be present in their life. And so when you're talking about what students are hearing the church say, there's the church or people in the church are saying, no, this, no, that, this is bad, this is bad. And if you're this, then that's bad. And if you voted this way, then that's bad. They're not listening to the nose, but they listen to the people that are present mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in their life. And, uh, and they, I know I felt this way. I could tell immediately as a young person when I was in high school, when somebody was looking at me and they're just trying to get me to be something or trying to get me to have an understanding. And they, 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 weren't, look, they weren't looking at this. They were just looking at this, mm-hmm. right? Just believe this. And um, if I could jump into the story about 
Please do. Yeah, the story we were talking about last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, about my dad. I love my dad. We have a really great relationship. And uh, though, uh, like most teens, I had uh, some rebellious years uh, and, and, and I rebelled against my dad. And uh, it, none of it was my fault, by the way. You know, it was, it, I, was, I was so good. <laughs> Not true. My dad was incredible. He really prioritized my relationship with God. He would connect me with other men that were a little bit older than me to make sure that they, I, I was being discipled and growing in my Christian character because he recognized that he was the most important influence in my life, the most important voice, but he wasn't the only one. And so especially when you have a teenager, they're going to listen. Your t- parents can say something and then, and, then, then, and then a young adult leader in the youth group can say the exact same thing and the teenager will listen to to it right they won't listen to the parents say it and be like no i'm not listening and then the teen i've never then, heard that before and then, the, and then the young adult says it they're like oh my gosh my life has changed and their mom and dad are like anyway so my dad prioritized there being adult influences in my life but one thing that i want to do differently than what my father did was i want to care more about okay with my dad i felt like my dad cared about my relationship with God, but he didn't care about me. He took very seriously his role of being the spiritual leader of the home, but he didn't appear to take very serious his role of being present in my life. I wish we went to the movies. I wish that devotions before school in the morning weren't so contentious. I wish that I... um, that we had time together, that he was present in my life. And uh, so to go back to your question, what do students want us to know? They're not projects. And we can be present in their life, present in their life. And when we are present in their life, not just bringing them to and fro, you know, parents are amazing. I don't know how you guys do it. I'm flabbergasted, which is a word I never use. But when... um, Parents are, in a lot of ways, they feel like taxi services to their teenagers because they have so much going on. Sometimes I feel like, uh, and I say this in love, but that relationship and presence can be lost because you're just trying to get them to, and the schedule gets so busy, and it's like, wait, when's the last time we connected? Mm, mm -hmm. And so the more that a student feels from a leader, from a church leader, from a young adult, from their parents, from their uncle, from their grandparents, that they, that, 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 adult influence is present and cares about them, the more that that person will have the voice to speak into their life Mm -hmm. rather than just knows, do do nots and do's, you know, it's, you have more influence. That's so awesome. That's so, when you shared that story with me last week, Jackson, it just, as a parent, I thought, oh my goodness, I don't know, that, that, was a revel- that was a revelation for me because we are called to shepherd our children and to raise them in the faith, but we're also called to love them and to be concerned with the things that are concerning them. That's what God does to us, right? He's not just shooting the Bible down our throats all the time. He cares when you're sad. He cares when your heart is broken. He cares when you need comfort. And so should we do the same for our kids? 
Take him to the movies. I want to segue a little bit and start talking to the church at large. You know, one of the things that I love about New Life, um, and it, for those of you who worship online, you may have never seen an actual baby dedication. I don't know if you made this announcement earlier, Pastor Melvin, but we're going to be having baby dedications here at Deep Creek coming up. And one of the things that I love about baby dedications is you'll have the father who will pray a prayer over his child, right? And then uh, the elder will ask the parents, parents, will you commit to raise your child in the faith? And the parents will say, we will. And then the elder will look to the congregation and say, church, will you help these parents to raise their children in the faith? And I want to show you all a, a quote by Reggie Joyner, who is just really kind of a sage, is becoming a sage in, in youth ministry. Um, but he says, two combined influences make a greater impact than just two separate influences. And this is where as a church, you might be thinking, well, I don't have any kids or I don't have any grandkids. What can I do as just a Christian? Well, this is where we get to help to disciple this generation. And so Jackson, Sydney, we've got great youth programs here, but what can, let's say a 31 year old single person who doesn't have kids, maybe doesn't even like kids, what can they do to help to disciple this generation? Can we start with the not liking kids? <laughs> no, can we actually start with why the, there's two dogs ripping up a, I missed yeah, that there part. they go. They're right there. Why yeah. is that a... Because that they're, a, they're, they're, you know, tearing up the place together. They're working together. They're working okay, in unity to destroy slow. their house. My attention span is less yes. than eight seconds. <laughs> uh, before I was doing youth ministry, and I started doing youth ministry... Um, the January before COVID started. January 2020. Right. So I start in January and then like three months later. The Pastor world Dan, fell apart. Yes. And Pastor yeah. Dan's like, hey, I know you don't have a relationship with any of these students, but you need to be the creepy black skinny guy and call them right now and Zoom them. <laughs> um, the truth of the matter is, is before I was a youth pastor, and I, sometimes I tell the students, I did not like students at all. I didn't like middle schoolers. I didn't like high schoolers. But the longer that I've come around them, man, I just, I just realized that they are me. They are you. They are us. And sometimes we look at the things that they aren't, and we just forget that, like, all of us were teenagers. <laughs> sometimes we forget that, like, w our parents were trying to get us to do the same things that we're trying to get our, our students to do. And um, Sometimes we just need to not expect for them to not do the things that we did. Mm. Be present in their life and just, uh, just be truthful and just understand that they're going to make mistakes, but God put you in their life for a reason. What was the question? I yeah, because I was like, I, uh, Sydney, that was not what I asked you at all. But I, got, I got it. I got it. all right. <laughs> the question was, if you were a 31-year-old person, yes. you don't like oh, kids, don't know kids. Got it. Okay. This is okay. why I work with you. Okay, these. there we go. That's right. Got it. Okay. What, <laughs> would, what, would, what would you do? <laughs> what can a 31-year-old do for the life of a middle schooler and a high schooler? The same thing that a 31-year-old would want a 50-year-old to do in their life. The same thing that a 31-year-old in here would want Pastor Melvin to do. Would want Pastor Wayne to do. Um, you want them to, you, you're, maybe you're in your car one day and you're just like, man, like I know that Pastor Dan's been challenging us how to, in our walk with the Lord in prayer, I wish, man, I wish somebody would come alongside me and teach me how to pray. Mm -hmm. Do that for a student. Mm -hmm. Man, I wish somebody would show me, man, how to, how to actually dive into the Bible and have a proper Bible study. Do that for a student. Students want the same things that we want. We just have to learn how to break it down so that they could learn and understand it. 
Yeah, That's yeah. Really good. That is great. The second part of that was Thanks. really good, well, can I, uh, can Sydney. I, <laughs> thank you for that. Um, <laughs> of language is words of affirmation. <laughs> All right. Can yeah, I just yeah, quick, yeah, share ahead, a quick in. story, um, uh, just to make it practical? Uh, because there can be a lot. We can, we all go to church in New Life, and uh, we can see teens running around. Um, and it's easy to to think I want to. I should be involved in their life now. Now after hearing this message, I can, should be involved. But how? How do I start? And this is a shameless plug. I would, I would, I would strongly encourage anybody to be involved in youth or young adult ministry. Students in middle school are forming who they are. Yeah. They're, 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 their identity is being formed and their relationship with God can come alive in their middle, listen, in their middle school years. When I was in seventh grade, I, was in, I encountered God. I encountered God because there was a, sp- a place for me to encounter God, and there were other adults and young adults that were there to guide me in encountering God, and my life was forever changed. And I'll just use one guy as an example. He was a youth leader. I was 15. He was 19 years old, and he got involved. Uh, some people, they might fill out a, 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 a volunteer card, and New Life hasn't reached back to you. That's just because we're a little busy. <laughs> but uh, sometimes uh, I would just encourage you to just show up if you really want to get involved, just to show up. And uh, in showing up on a Wednesday night for youth or on a Sunday morning for breakfast club, you're going to start to meet students. And uh, so this guy did that with me. His name is Cody. He was a youth leader. He was 19 years old. I was 15. And he showed up at youth group. And we both uh, connected over music. And then we both became friends. And he was a mentor to me. And he would mentor me, not just in the church, but outside the church. And he would invite me into his life spaces. And when he was going to the thrift store, he would ring me up. And Jackson, I'm going to go to the thrift store. Can I, you want to come with me? I'll buy you something. So we would go to the thrift store, and he would buy me, a, like, a really cool flannel. And then we would go afterwards, we would go out and get a hamburger. And he had space to, this goes back to what I was saying earlier, he had space to speak in my life because he had relationship with me. He wasn't just a youth leader that was, you know, just like, this is what the Bible says, which is very important. Uh, but he had relationship with me, and I am walking with God now. I, my, my eternity is forever changed because somebody showed up in my life. And not only that, but I have a, I have a kid now. I have a daughter now. And I'm declaring her life it will be always for, be forever changed because somebody took the time to show up and to bring me and buy a flannel t-shirt. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that story. I love that story. Well, you both youth, youth pastors, youth leaders, what are Gen Zers looking for in a church? Um, I know for a fact that they're not looking for what we think they're looking for. So a lot of times um, when you talk to a youth pastor, uh, the first thing that they want to do is, man, we got to get the lights and we got to get the music and we got to get the smoke. And we, But the truth is, is that if we as Christians, we live our lives or we live our ministry lives trying to chase or emulate what the world is doing, we're going to fail. But we serve, we serve the most creative being of all time. And God has given us the creativity to do what we do. They're, they're looking for... Um, just authenticity. Uh, I know that there's a saying that says um, people don't really care about what you know until they know that you care. Mm -hmm. And that is, 
That is the most true statement when it comes to middle schoolers and high schoolers. I remember when I first started, my thing was, is I was just going to, I'm going to teach the word. And if they don't get the word, they're going to get it. (laughs) But the truth of the matter is, I learned really quickly that that without a relationship with these students, without me actually loving them, caring about their Tuesday and Thursday and not just their Wednesday, um, it didn't matter. They're going through a, a, a time right now where they are lonely. Right. They are lonely. Think about, I mean, we're, we are adults and many of us were lonely during the pandemic. How do you think that our students felt when they were, they're, like you said, they're being, they're, their minds are being developed. They're lonely. So how can we, as the church, come alongside them? They're looking for connection, relationships. Right. Amen. Well, I want to segue and talk to the parents. Um, There's a scripture, if we can go ahead and put that scripture up. Pastor Dan referenced uh, this last weekend as well, Deuteronomy 11, 18 and 19. And it says, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Teach them to your children. And I just want to pause there because it is our God-given responsibility as parents to teach our children the word of God. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Essentially, Make the Bible, make God relevant in every aspect of your children's lives. I was sharing this story, first service, my husband and I, before our kids go to school every day, we say, remember, you're a light and a leader. They've heard that their whole lives. You're a light and a leader, you're a light and a leader. And so how does that then happen when they come home from school and something has happened or they've made a mistake? How then can we say, how are you a light there? How did, how did you lead in that situation? And I know that parents, so many times we feel overwhelmed. Many of us maybe at times feel ill-equipped. Maybe you feel like you don't know enough Bible or you don't know enough scripture or you don't pray enough, but we have what it takes. God chose you specifically Amen. for your child. I tell my kids that all the time. You, God chose me for you. Aren't you, aren't you happy about that? Like, should be. I mean, that's like You're the greatest awesome. gift, you know? God actually like hooked you up here, you know? But parents, I want to say, you know, we were talking about this last week. Should you make your kids come to church? Now, I was raised old school. If you were sick, that's all right. Mm-hmm. We got prayer at church. You can get your little sick self up and you're coming to church. I never had, like not going now. to church yeah. was, I, I don't think it ever crossed my mind that I was going to sleep in on a Sunday. And so my mom drug us to church. She didn't care if we liked it. You could sit back there and pout and have an attitude for all she cared. She did not care. You just were not going to get to go out to dinner afterwards. And so I believe that you should make your children come to church. I believe you make your children go to school, don't you? Do they want to go to school? No. Do they want to eat their their asparagus? No. But you make them because you know it's good for them. And I'm not saying this to shame any parents, but I'm saying this because your children need to be here. Your children need to be in an environment. I think one of you were talking last time about how important it is to just be in an environment. Even if they sit there with their hands folded and they think there's nothing here, there is going to come a day when what they are hearing preached and what they're hearing saying is going to click. And so do you guys agree? As a, as a parent, I'm telling my kids, you're going to be here. You're going to be here. I love you, man. You shared a funny story about your mom. What did she do? Uh, when I was 
I lived with my mom until I was 23. Don't well, lie, bro. It was last year. It you was were last still year. living with your mom. <laughs> it was last year. Me and my wife and my kids, uh, we just moved out. But um, I was 19, and I was like, you know what? I'm a man. Oh, no. Huh? I'm a man, and because I'm a man, I'm not going to church today. <laughs> and my mom says, well, you don't have to go to church, but you don't have to live here either. So I went to church. But... Um, I, I think as a parent, um, the things that are important to you are going to be important to them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes our actions speak louder than our words do. And we don't give them an option about school. Like That's you right. said, That's right. you go to school. And sometimes the, the excuses, we don't, I, I, sometimes I'm like, well, I mean, I guess Billy's not making friends at youth group, so maybe he shouldn't go. But it took you like a friends. year to make friends at school. So just because you're not making friends immediately doesn't mean that you, that you shouldn't keep coming. Because the truth of the matter is, and I tell our students this all the time, is that like the friendships that you're having in school, they're going to fade. I don't know too many people who have more than three to four friendships that have gone past high school. But what I do know is, is I, know, I know tons of people whose relationships have gone past youth ministry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And those friendships that the Bible is talking about, when it talks about, man, those, you have a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and a three-strand cord is not easily broken, yeah. and those iron sharpening iron, those relationships, they're going to happen in um, the church. Mm-hmm. And I've seen, I've seen moms. I love, moms are so, they can be so sweet and so gentle. Well, maybe not your mom. Maybe no, my mom. Not in that moment. <laughs> but I've she seen, okay, so we ran, uh, we run this discipleship uh, program for teenagers called Disciple You, and there's, um, and we, uh, we have a weekly Wednesday night, and we have a lot of students whose moms bring them, or dads bring them to the youth group, and you're going, all right? And so we, we were doing a mission trip, uh, in Chicago, Illinois, one year, and uh, at the the mission trip is the end of uh, our discipleship program. At the very end of the program, they go on a mission trip, and at the end of that mission trip, we are having a time of debriefing. And I ask students to one uh, to one at a time share uh, one thing that they got out of this year. And half of the students, so ten out of twenty students, all said the exact same thing. They started out with saying, "My mom made me go, <laughs> and I did not want to go, and I went in kicking and screaming, but." I'm so glad she did. Next kid, my mom made me go. I didn't want to go, but I'm so glad she did. And I was like, I'm starting to see a theme here. (laughs) Students are, and I don't want to take away from how they, and this is a very real thing. I feel this way. If they don't have a buddy there, if they don't have a friend there, if a girl doesn't have a girlfriend there, if a guy doesn't have a guy friend there, then they're going to be freaked out to go to that youth group event, to go to the youth group. That's totally real. I don't like going to things where I don't know people. And I'm extroverted, extremely. Uh, but I, one thing that this to go back to my dad and to honor him that he did really well is he did the work of making sure that there was, uh, a friend that I could have there or connected me with a youth leader that could chaperone me throughout the night. And so he would take that intimidation factor off, but I was going to go, but my dad was going to make sure that it was not painful, but that it was pleasurable. All right, last question, fellas. What is, what do you all hear from your students is the most common complaint that they have about their parents? None. They don't have and any. None of they these are from my children, by the way. 
my children have been threatened to keep their mouths closed when they come to church. I'm kidding. But no, what, what, would, what would students want? Let me phrase it this way. What do students want their parents to know about them or maybe themselves that they don't know? That they are smarter um, than you think. Um, and yeah, they're going to make dumb decisions and dumb choices. That's life. But uh, they're doing okay. Um, as well as, and they don't say these words exactly, but if you sum up a lot of the stories that I'm thinking of, um, they would say that, that they wished that their parents would love the person that they are now. Um, and not only focusing on the person that they want them to become. Um, a lot of times we can, we can focus on, uh, in our discipleship of our teens, like you're not doing this right. And then maybe if you were to do this, you could be this person. And maybe if you, uh, were in youth ministry, God could reach this area of your life. But the truth is, is that like, they're growing just like we are. And they just want you to love them for who they are as they become the person that God intends for them to be. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Well, parents and students, I wanted to leave you all with some good resources because we want you to be able to take what you've heard today and do the next thing. So you'll see here on the screen, those of you who are worshiping with us online, you should see these as well, some parent resources. So there's a website called access.org. I subscribe to this website. It's really great, great uh, information for parents. Um, we also have uh, the, the Intentional Parents podcast is a really good one. But I want to draw your attention to, um, to a support group that we're actually starting here at New Life. And so, as you know, our youth ministry meets Wednesdays from 7.30 till 9. And on the second and fourth Wednesday, we are starting a parenting of teenagers support group. Some people go to AA meetings, NA meetings. Some parents are like, I need me a meeting. This is your meeting. Okay, so I'm gonna be leading that uh, support group. And this is gonna be a time where we can come and support and encourage one another in the Lord to pray with one another. As Jackson said, like prayer is vital. It is absolutely essential. So please mark that on your calendars. You don't have to come every single time, but it is open to the whole church, uh, or to parents of teenagers. So that's the second and fourth Wednesdays. We're gonna be reading through a book together called Praying the Scriptures Over Your Teens. It's a really great book. So I've seen many of you taking pictures online. You can go ahead and make sure you take a screenshot of this. And then for students, um, we also have some resources for you. Um, we've got um, some books there. You'll see uh, fervor.net is really great. They're in conjunction with Right Now Media, really offering great um, culturally relevant uh, information for young people. And then, of course, our youth meetings. If you are a NAOS person, you are a young adult, 18 um, and older, we want to encourage you, find community in the local church. Church is not just a place that we gather on a Sunday for an hour and a half, and then you leave and you don't ever talk to these people again until the next week. We want to live life together, do life together. And so I pray that these resources are, are going to be of a help to you. Jackson, Sydney, yeah. thank you so very Absolutely. much. I appreciate you both. As a mother, I appreciate what you all are doing for our students. And um, family, if you could just lift your hands, I just want to pray with us, and then I'm going to release the service back over to Pastor Melvin and Pastor Tina, who's hosting online. Let's lift our hands in the presence of the Lord. Father, we love you. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. We know that we are changed in your presence. We come alive in your presence. 
We are seen and known in your presence, Lord. And Father God, I thank you that you have given us the privilege and responsibility to be present in the lives of Gen Z. Lord, this generation needs you and they need to see authentic men and women who love the Lord, who honor the Lord. They need to see them living out real lives. They need to see how the Bible impacts their lives. And Lord, we can do this through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have called us to be lights and leaders in this generation. Father, I pray for that parent who maybe they feel like they didn't do enough. Maybe they are just, just uh, under such a weight of regret or shame and they feel like they've lost so much time. Lord God, I thank you that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you redeem all things. Lord, I thank you that nothing is ever lost with you and that you are able, Lord God, to take our messes, Lord, and you're able to clean them up and to make a beautiful story out of it. Lord, for that student who feels so far away from you, maybe they've been crying out to you or praying for something and they feel that, that you're distant or that you don't care. Holy Spirit, would you be a very present help to them in their time of need? And Father, for our church family that has been passive in areas, Lord, and maybe felt ill-equipped in areas, Lord, would you make us come alive? Lord God, would we see ourselves, Lord God, as, as shepherds, as leaders? Lord God, would we see ourselves as friends and mentors? And, and it doesn't take a whole lot. All it has to take, Lord God, is us being willing, is us saying yes to you. Lord, I declare not one person in New Life Church in this generation will be lost. Lord, they will come to know you for who you are and they will live to tell your story. We love you. We honor you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I hope that you enjoyed our sermon today. I hope that you were inspired and challenged. And maybe you have a question about something that you heard in the message today, or maybe you need prayer. We would love to take the time to pray with you and answer any questions that you might have. All you need to do is simply send us an email to online at newlife.global, and we would love to connect with you. Well, be sure to subscribe to our channel. You should see the link right over here somewhere and turn those notifications on. That way you are notified every single time we go live on YouTube. Well, God bless you. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you on the next video. Take care.